Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the floor of the United States Senate, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 345, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of fin- <laughs> a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Don. And uh, I'll start it off with a email that was sent out to people. And this is uh, one that went to a very, very nice dealer named Rita. And it says, Rita, are you available to assist? I've got credence in you to take care of this. I would have called your phone, but I am out of town now and do not have access to my mobile phone. Which... I guess they have access to their computer to send an email. Right. But not mm-hmm. the mobile phone, which is truly the item that you carry to go out of town. I don't know. Mm-hmm. National Stamp Dealers Association needs some gift cards for humanitarian relief donation to the Ukrainian children, period, women and elderly who are the most vulnerable in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I am liable for reimbursement. Need more information? Question mark. Signed, Cash Bafus. Hey, that's me. And uh, Rita, uh, Rita is one of the uh, people at Sam Houston Duck Companies. Uh, shout out to you. Very, very great. Um, Bob and Rita are fantastic dealers. Anyway, so I guess they got a hold of ASDA. NSDA, which I'm the president of, which is why my name's on the bottom. They they feel that that has some sort of credence. Yeah, like you have any say in anything. That was the first anything. red flag. Yeah. Yeah. The first red flag was your name was on the bottom of the list. <laughs> right. And the top of the stamp dealer association. So Rita got three of these. <laughs> it's like that that would have been a cue off, you know. Uh, you get three of them from three different people. So uh, just FYI, people, if you get an email saying send gift cards to somebody, uh, it doesn't mean that especially, I mean, for me, I left my mobile phone because I left. Yeah. And it's like, well, if I leave, I, the one thing that I'm going to make sure I have with me is my mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I'm certain not to have with me it's probably my computer. Yeah. What he should have said is, uh, I left my charging cable. Ah, yeah, there right. you go. 
Yeah, my, my phone ran out of power. Can you do me a quick favor? <laughs> mm-hmm. It could also be that that was a appeal from the uh, Russian army cadets that have been sent into Ukraine for food. Yeah, but do they have credence? Yeah. They have, do they have stamps. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the latest uh, stamp related. That's the latest stamp related scam that we've seen. Um, speaking about, uh, yeah, this isn't really a scam, but what's going on in the Senate right now? Ah, yes, the United States Senate. Um, it turns out that they actually did something good uh, this year. This past uh, March eighth, um, they um, they passed a uh, a bill to. Um, uh, repeal what they had done in 2006, which was to require the United States Postal Service to prepay their uh, retirement mm-hmm. um, for, mm. for all their workers, which is something that no other uh, agency has to do, no other you know company really does. Um, so, and, and that immediately put the the Postal Service in in a financial bind. Since 2006, they've been running you know huge deficits. So. Um, this actually saves them billions of dollars because now the postal workers rely on on Medicare, which is uh, something that the postal workers are already paying into. So, you know, basically they're just like everybody else now. Instead of the postal service having this this weird, you know, with this weird uh, uh, debt that um, that nobody else has to pay. Well, yes, and but to understand it, you have to know a little bit more of the history on this sort of thing. Is um, the post office has always been a source of patronage, a source of income to the government, a source of, you know, cash and stuff like that. Even after 1972, when it spun off, it was still a way for the government to sort of reach in and get some extra money that they can credit to other accounts. They couldn't take the money, mm-hmm. but they could take the credit. They can take the balances and stuff like that. It's sort of like right now, Social Security is the number one holder of treasury bonds. So Social Security isn't really open to invest and do things like they want. They are doing things that Congress is telling them to do. It was sort of the same thing with the post office. They wanted to make sure that unfunded pensions and things like that looked better on their balance sheets. And so they required the post office to pay money that realistically, you know, you have to pay the medical expenses of your employees 20 years from now. And you go, well, how much is that going to be? You know, can you predict what the diseases that they were going to have in 20 years are going to be the diseases that you have to pay for? So it was a way to cook the books. And it put a lot of pressure on the post office. But, you know, who cares sort of like that? Uh, You know, if if the post office could just, you know, control not taking counterfeit stamps, they'd probably be able to uh, work on a bunch of this anyway. So that's the backstory on it. I'm glad that they did it. Yeah, because they've been trying to do it for quite some time. But, you know, there's always somebody that wanted something out of the postal service. And even this time... Um, the uh, some of the uh, Democrat senators wanted the Postal Service to buy all electric vehicles uh, mm-hmm. because they're they're uh, replenishing their their fleet, uh, even though um, they know for a fact that it makes no financial sense to do so, 
uh, but only on a small basis, you know, do, do the electrical vehicles make sense. But they, you know, they want to, you know, force the Postal Service into making a poor financial decision just to, you know, promote the fact that they're, I don't know, green-friendly or something. Yeah, but that's what... This is nothing new. This started from the post office from the very early days in the 1500s. And in the early 1800s, this is what the post office did. It was a political tool. And it still is. People who don't think it isn't are wrong. Uh, You know, just from a standpoint of, you know, who they put on the stamps. You know, if that's not political, I I don't know what the (laughs) hell is. When was the last time that Lincoln or Washington were on a postage stamp? You know, it's it's uh, the your your favorite uh, you know Hispanic or your favorite your favorite minority person who you know you went to kowtow to whatever political group. That's just what they do, and that's what they've done since day one. So. Yeah, you know, buying the uh, electric fleet, that's a humorous one because they just came out with a, re, uh, a study in Germany versus France. And Germany went heavy, heavy-duty renewable resources. And France said, screw y'all, we're making nuclear power plants. And right now, Germany, I forget what the number is, but I think about 40% of their power is renewable. And in France, like 80% is nuclear. And France, the people have, uh, their carbon footprint is like one-tenth the size of Germany because renewable resources actually take a lot of carbon to make. You know, they don't pay Mm -hmm. for themselves. So it's just, you know, how the governments do things. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that's in the bill is that they require the Postal Service to have six-day delivery which is something that uh, they had toyed with taking out Saturday delivery, but decided against it anyway. So that does that much effect. The post office is like the only regulatory uh, regulated uh, industry, which is in the constitution of the United States. They can do whatever they want with anything else, but the post office is actually inside the constitution. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing going on. So anyway, we were at lunch today, and uh, we were looking at tip of the week. You know, what are the best stamp market tips? And we were kind of joking because, uh, what month is this? This is, uh, oh, this is way back in December. So I'm looking at an old lens. But the tip was the Zeppelin set. And I, me and Jim were sort of commenting, uh, wow, that's going way out on a limb, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> really putting them out there on yeah. that tip, sir. <laughs> they must be getting really desperate. <laughs> well, why, why did you laugh, and then I'll say why I laughed. Well, I laughed because a Zeppelin set, A, is probably second only to the upside-down Jenny in popularity in the country, mm. not just with Flatless. It's one of those sets that's known beyond that and and a lot of that's because of the big run-up in the 70s where those got up to what seven eight thousand dollars nine thousand dollars well for the really super nice ones mm-hmm. it never hinged yeah and then they came crashing down yeah. but they were really popular in the in that day and age and 
So I thought it was like, you know, it, it, it wasn't really a tip. I mean, you should know that. Yeah. <laughs> you should know that. I expect the tip. And I know I've read Lynn's stamp tips a lot. And most of the time I really like them because they're tipping things that are kind of unknown or, you know, obscure. Yep. And this one is just... We, I, I can't even come up with the adjective. <laughs> well, I sort of look at it as, um, you know, S-tier items. Everybody knows that this is an S-tier item. Yeah. And people who don't know what S-tier is, uh, S is superb. And then after that, it goes A, B, C, D, E, F. Mm-hmm. And F is exactly what you think it is. So, you know, you have the S-tier stamps, which they're S-tier. Everybody knows that these are great. You know, Great Britain number one. U.S. number one, U.S. number two, Great Britain number two. You know, these are S-tier stamps. You know, if he came out and said, you know, what I really think everybody should buy is the uh, um, butterfly additional ounce stamp. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you're sitting there going, well, let me read this. Why the hell is he saying the butterfly extra ounce stamp? And then you look at it and it's like, okay, production was down or whatever. That, that was actually in one of the tips. Yeah, and it, yeah. and that was because um, I think it was the seventy center that was just a very short rate period, mm-hmm. and so the stamp wasn't used a lot. It wasn't the first butterfly stamp, and if you could find it used properly in period, it was really hard to find because it was such a short. I don't remember less than a year rate. Yeah, I mean it's just like the uh, Bethesda fountain stamp. Sure. Yeah. Bethesda Fountain, I am not going to put on S tier, but I would definitely put it on A tier because it was a stamp that wasn't widely used. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, generally speaking, put meters on their express mail, not stamps. And uh, even today, you know, the Bethesda Fountain stamp, the prices dropped a bit, but you're still getting well over three times face for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas most stamps that you buy bought within the last ten years, you know, you're getting eighty percent of it. You're getting less than face for. Yeah, and and most of the tips are on stamps like that, um, Aloha shirts or something like that that have a topical as well as a, a colorful uh, presentation, either in the sheet or whatever. And so, yeah, this this is. I thought it was kind of humorous anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why I pulled it out and yeah. brought it because I thought it was humorous too. You know, way to go out there on a limb and pick something that nobody's nobody ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> or that somebody could look for because, you know, I mean, you can find those anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. just have to pay for them. Yeah. Because it's an expensive item. But you can find lots of Zeppelin sets. It was humorous because uh, I collect used stamps far more than mint, never hinged especially. And I traded the middle value. I traded a mint hinged for a used straight across Mm -hmm. because I couldn't find a used. I mean, they're that scarce used. And there's plenty of philatelic. I mean, they're all philatelic. Very, very... I would like to know, did somebody like use a $2.60 stamp to pay a $3 rate somewhere? And they put on the $2.60 and another $0.40 for some registered package or something like that. 
you know, I just don't think these stamps were used. Well, they were issued for the Zeppelin flights, and so by nature, that's a philatelic concoction. Yeah, but I mean, it's a flight you know, cover. We 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 get stamps all the time that were you know f- issued for some special rate, and mm-hmm. we just slap it on the envelope and ship it off somewhere else. Yeah. <clears throat> um. You know, it's actually I'm thinking I, I haven't seen any recent issues that were used for anything other than their specific purpose. Well, Charles Snee writes the article in Linz on called Dollar Signs, and um, I read that faithfully. I'm a dollar signs collector. I I look for just what you're talking about, yeah. you know, and most of the time what you would find something like a um, two ninety. Uh, $2.90 Eagle Express Mail stamp. You find them on Express Mail, but you can find them used uh, philatelically, you know, from a stamp collector to somebody else paying a higher rate because the rates have gone up higher, and so, you know, it takes two or three of those to mail a letter across the country sometimes. Well, I mean, here at PSC, we send a vast majority of our stuff back Priority mail, signature required. Mm -hmm. And that costs $12.40. And there aren't any $12.40 stamps. And we buy discount postage. So, you know, we use a lot of $5 and $8.70 stamp and all these sort of weird ones. But, you know, they're 10, 15 years old. Right. So So they're out of period when they're used. But they still are interesting to find and every once in a while you find one that's close enough to in period or whatever oh we we get stuff uh you know people mail something to us uh express mail because express mail is really the way to go right now are we are we talking out of turn if i mentioned the bethesda mail ex, uh express mail that you got which one? Well, you said you, you received one. Oh, I found one in... Uh, no, you found one, but I thought right. you said you got one of your submissions. It came with a Bethesda Oh, mail. yeah. It, it wasn't a Bethesda. It was uh, a... Uh, it it was wasn't a, Bethesda. Okay. It was the uh, recent one, the uh, art the arts thing. It was the San Francisco... Oh, Palace of Fine Palace Arts. Of Palace Fine of Fine Arts. Arts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it came in, and you know we looked at it, and we go, holy crap, they're, they're, that's a cool stamp. Then, you know, everybody is, like, fighting for it. And Marina goes, I uh, know he wants it returned back. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knew it was a used, yeah. But realistically, <clears throat> if you send something in priority mail, signature required, you're going to spend, like, eight bucks. And at the end, you know, the stamps aren't worth that much. If you send it in... with express mail, first of all, you get you truly get a whole bunch of extra security. You get overnight signature tracking, everything like that. So for 25 bucks, you get good service. Then you have the stamp returned to you and the stamp is realistically worth 20 to $25. So let's say the stamp is worth 20 bucks, which it easily is. You've only spent $5 for postage instead of $8. It's actually cheaper Mm -hmm. for you to send something express mail and then get the stamp back. And this is an ad for the service that we have for you, ladies and gentlemen, listeners. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just send in your submissions. Yeah. <laughs> with $25 stamps on them, we'll send them back to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, get the, we get that request all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And even people, you know, send in stuff and... We look at it and, you know, it's just like junk stamps and they still want them back. It's like, fine, here, you know, we don't care. But, but when that, uh, that Palace of Fine Arts came in, it was like, oh, because it was nicely centered with a mm-hmm. nice cancel and everything. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he wants that back. It's like, ah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Let's see, uh, what other S tier items? Well, I don't know if it's S tier, but um, all of the forever. Two ounce wedding stamps mm, are yeah. uh, in great demand. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah, they, <clears throat> I mean the the buy prices are high. The uh, you know for some of these the 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 sheets of uh, the mini sheets of of twenty are selling for like fifty bucks. You know, on, in the buy price, and it's uh, you know it's amazing. You know, people Pe- that 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 want them to use for you know their weddings. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and if because they're forever stamps, they can be used. Yeah, it's a forever two whatever, ounce rate. Whatever yeah. the rate is, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So there are topic. See, and those are the kinds of things that I think, when they tip, and they tip those kinds of things, it's like oh, because it's a new issue. You wouldn't think normally in right. terms of that. Yeah. So it's an S demand. It might not be as recognizable as those others, though. Right, yeah, yeah. You just wouldn't think, oh, you know, the chrysanthemum or whatever it is, the, you know, the bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it, it looks like a nothing stamp, but man, you know, are they demanding value? Hmm. That's a good tip. I need to look at those. Yeah. I mean, you you wouldn't you. It isn't a thing for a stamp collector. It's a thing for wedding planners. Right. Yeah, and the the. Many people will pay more than the postage to have a uh, wedding stamp yeah. that, that calls attention to the uh, invitation. Yeah, I mean, if the if the stamp reflects the same colors that you're using in your wedding, you oh. don't care if you're paying three times face. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's a good point. So, what other? S tier, A tier, B tier. Yeah, we could talk about F tiers all day long, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, the upper tiers there—that's because uh, I bought a whole bunch of the Raven stamps. I thought those would be good, and uh, they're still sitting, and uh, I haven't done anything with them. I bought yeah. a bunch of Droid stamps. Yeah, I mean those are—you know—those are just what they are. Yeah, but a lot of those topicals though are are they're worth kind of. Uh, buying a couple of sheets or whatever to uh, hold because you don't know which ones are actually going to take off um, when you're buying new. Well, I think I have two imperf droid sheets still out of my entire press sheet. Yeah, and and again, the press sheets is a is a really good example of uh, you you buy that. But it's like buying buying Farley's. You don't really know if it's going to become a big thing or not. Is it going to be because it's such a limited production on it? Is yeah. it going to be something that everybody wants and therefore, you know, it's like an imperf? Well, that's the other thing I wonder too. Is 
I mean, an imperfect of the, of the regular issue. I'm sorry. Yeah, the imperfect Ravens are incredibly expensive right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the imperf, let's say the imperf lighthouses, the recent lighthouses, um, they're selling for face. Yeah. Title nine mm-hmm. is the same. Yeah. Yeah, the Title nine stamp. I think you have to have a uh, topic that is de- in demand, because realistically, I do believe they are all issued in exactly the same quantities. Yeah. I may be wrong there, but I'm not going to be wrong by much. Uh, yeah, I, I think the I think the postal service actually upped the quantities. I was going to say of the imperf press sheets. Yeah, usually, usually on things like that. Yeah, because they're not selling out like they were before, where they'd sell on the first day. Oh they, yeah, they um, forget about the first day, first, first forty-five first, minutes. Right. <laughs> the um, it, it just seems to me, it, hindsight looking back, that the first few issues of anything like that, they tended to put them in, like the Bugs Bunny. Mm. You know, it it was a very limited deal. They didn't know how it would take off. Became so popular, then they started issuing more for Daffy Duck and Tweety and all those. And it's like those are fairly common, and people don't pay bonus big bucks for those as they yeah. do for the bugs. Except for the very last one. Yeah. The that's all, folks. As a premium. Yeah. For the for how the, about for the, the die cut? How about the 1865 Civil War imperf sheet? Is that still way up there? <coughs> hmm. I don't know. The it was a you know eighteen sixty one two three four five. They had issued five sheets, mm-hmm. uh, one for each year of the war, and the last one, um, somebody went in there to the post office and just bought their entire stock, and so we don't know you know what company is sitting on them, but some company out there is sitting on a bunch of them, and I've seen these things always for over a hundred bucks. And sometimes for significantly over a hundred bucks, and it's not because they weren't printed or they're rare. It's just somebody went in there and scarfed them all. Yeah, the, the limit to the collector was, or the amount limited to the collector was small, and so there's a premium on them right now. But when those risks come out, yeah. will there still be a premium? This. Well, it's the thing with uh, were they used for mailings? Oh, I doubt they were used for mailings. Yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. people don't like using imperforated stamps if they're you're mailing stuff because they are a pain in the butt to pull apart. As a matter of fact, we got uh, some discount postage and it had some imperfs in it. And uh, Lloyd was complaining that, you know, even though the stamps are rare because they're imperf, they're really difficult to pull off the sheet because they're not die cut. <clears throat> um, yeah, some of the early ATM um, pains... Oh. That not, that are not they're not imperfect they're 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 die cut but they're uh, die cut with the straight edge yeah yeah like the little Christmas stamps and stuff like that you know you're better off just you know putting paste on the back of the backing <laughs> paper and sticking it down because you can't you can't peel them off oh well that's my favorite with the uh, the ten cent self the very first self stick the ten cent uh, yeah. <laughs> weather vane um, Christmas, Christmas stamp, stamp. Mm-hmm. the one that changes colors yeah. And uh, if you have a plate block and you bend it the wrong way, all the stamps fall off. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one that didn't age well. So I got an email. Hi, Cash. I was wondering if PSE is looking for new experts. I am a fairly experienced collector with a decent U.S. and possessions collection and a small philatelic library. So uh, this is a fellow named Dave, and he wants to become a stamp expert. And uh, quite frankly, 
everybody here at the table started off in exactly the same way as Dave here and uh, became an expert just by working on stamps. So uh, if you want to be an expert, what are some uh, tips we can give some people? Read. Yeah. <laughs> Get everything you can and read about. If you want to be an expert in U.S. stamps, read, read the catalog, read the front of the catalog where it explains how stamps are produced. Oh, that's what Scott tells everybody. Yeah. Yep. If you want to be an expert, you if you know. read the beginning of the Scott's catalog, yep. you're 50% of the way there. Yeah. And then the the next thing is you start examining stamps. Um, after you've read that, you examine specific stamp issue and you could there's a myriad of books and so forth to consult so that you learn not just what's in the catalog, but you learn expert, especially in the classical era. That's what I'm. I'm really kind of in that area myself right now, where um, I understand modern stamps and how they were produced and stuff. But the classical era with the engravings and the you're able to plate the stamps from the early issues because they were all hand engraved and individually engraved. Very interesting. So you have to do a lot of study. How about you, Don? You're you're oh. <coughs> coughing up a lung. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Don, you're you're relatively on the beginning of the expert curve. Yes. So what are you, what are you going through right now? What are you learning? I'm asking a lot of questions. Like what? Well, I'm lucky to be around a bunch of experts, so I come I come across something that I don't understand. I've got somebody I can ask. That yeah, helps we, a lot. Yeah, we do have uh, weekly expert meetings, which are they're either valuable or inv or invaluable. I'm not sure which. which <laughs> <laughs> like famous or infamous. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we do have a, a every Thursday. We have weird things that we pass around the table mm -hmm. uh, from an expertizing standpoint. But realistically, being an expert, and yes, PSE is always looking for experts. Um, just getting that on the table. But <clears throat> realistically, being an expert for someplace like PSE, and I'm sure it's the same for the PF and PSAG and everybody else, the it's basically sort of a 50-50 split between being able to determine what a stamp is, like what's got number, and the other 50% is being able to know how to detect faults. Because quality and identification are the two biggies. Um, there is, you know, a fake factor. You have to make sure that, you know, stamps aren't faked and stuff like that. But that is not a major part of it. It really is identifying the stamp and then identifying the quality. And in my opinion, the hardest things about identifying quality is identifying regummed and reperfed. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that um, for me, acquiring stamps that have been identified as regummed and reperfed has really helped me be able to find see that in other stamps that I'm examining. Because you have a reference, mm -hmm. and and the reference generally comes with some kind of explanation of why. 
Yeah, I, I have mm-hmm. to agree with you. And <clears throat> it, it is difficult sometimes to uh, because there are some really good reperf jobs. There's some really good regum jobs. So, you, but if you can get stamps that have been certified in those areas for your reference collection, then you've got a really good start on being able to identify them because it's really a matter of seeing as much as you can see. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct because once you point out to people, and one of the what I think are cool things about the certificates that are issued is the stamps are slightly larger. It's not actual size stamps. And when you increase the size of the stamp, and it says reperforated on the right, mm-hmm. and then you look at the picture, and you go, wow, those perfs on the right sure don't look like the perfs at the top, bottom, or left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like, you know, the light goes on. It's like, oh, I get it. Now, the hitch is is that now you can identify that one perf job. The hitch is, of course, is that there's probably, I'd say, 10 or 15 different types of reperfs. So you right. got to learn that same lesson 10 or 15 times. Well, and here's another little tip for Dave and anybody else that's at home and not around um, a reference collection, and that is look on the stamp sites, eBay, um, hip stamps, any of those, uh, because you're going to find certificates on there that people are selling the stamp, but the stamp has been reperfed. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because they're selling it as a reperfed stamp, but there's your reference copy. You can blow that picture up on your computer screen. You can look, and you know what you're looking for because the certificate will say reperfed on the right or wherever. Mm-hmm. And so you know which perfs you're looking at. And you could say, okay, now what makes those different from these others? And that will help you determine. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody goes, oh, regumming, that's probably the real tough one. Actually, detecting regum stamps is pretty easy. Yeah, they're, if they're, <clears throat> the, the normal ones are pretty easy. It, it's the ones that are done real well that are. Yeah, but, but then, you know, you, cheap me. stamps were reperfed. Mm-hmm. You know, people will come up and say, well, the stamp only catalog is a dollar. Why did somebody reperf it? And they go, well, they reperfed it because it takes like 15 seconds to reperforate a stamp. You know, go ahead and knock all the straight edges off. And that's generally speaking why they did it. They got rid of straight edges on cheapo stamps. The uh, regumming is a process. Regumming takes work. And so you don't find a lot of uh, cheap stamps that have been regummed, unless they're just like regummed in a really terrible way, or if they're very well centered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's worth it to regum a, a cheap stamp if it's well centered. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, for for me for regumming, the the trick is just to look at a lot of stamps. Yeah. You know, once you start seeing you know, a lot of stamps, you get you get it in the back of your mind. You know what the gum should look like, and uh, and so when you're uh, uh, and so when you turn over a, a stamp like uh, um, you know the 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 Pan American or something like that, you get to expect okay, this this I know what the backside is going to look like, and when you turn it over and it doesn't look like that, that's when you start to you know to you know 
red flags start to come up and then you start looking closer and closer and yeah, you look you know, at getting the out col- the microscope and uh, you look at the color you you look look at the perf tips to see if the gl- the glue goes all the way on the perf tips and then if it does you look to see on the front if it comes through the perf tips in other words it's been regummed and brushed over the gum is on the front because that definitely is not well, that, regular yeah that's that's the process the the tough part and again you know I'll just the gum is painted on just like paint mm-hmm. and you have to paint around the perf hole and paint all the way up to the edges up to the perf tips and you have to do that you know a hundred times <laughs> without getting in it inside the perf without mm-hmm. having it get inside the perf yep. if you yeah, if you see this ink or if you it, yes if you see the gum from the front of the stamp, it's regummed. It's most likely regummed, and mm-hmm. if it's not regummed, it's just been like totally destroyed through some sort of uh, storage. So you know we've seen it where the gum uh, sublimates or the gum liquefies or the gum does something and it flows all over the place. And you know you're not talking about never hinge now. You're talking about destroyed gum. You know disturbed yeah, gum. disturbed gum. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and people will regum not for the purpose of selling an every hinge stamp, but for the purpose of hiding a fault. You know, if they if they mm-hmm. fill it thin, regum the stamp and put a hinge mark on it, then you, you almost don't second guess it because oh, it's a hinge stamp, but it's you know, at least it's mint. Yeah. But in fact, it's 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 got a fault that's being hidden. What the heck is that? I have <coughs> somebody's phone. The ice cream truck is. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, give me an ice cream sandwich. Well, okay, we're all going to run off now and get some ice cream. <laughs> hey. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting.
Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.